0: Welcome to First Things First, the weekly podcast where we talk about God, faith, and life in Shallow Water, Texas. Our podcast is production of First Shallow Water, and you can find more information about our church by clicking on the link in the description of this episode. Thanks for joining us. Here's our pastor, Brad Miles.
1: Well, welcome everybody to the First Things First podcast. Each week on First Things First, we invite amazing, interesting, fascinating people to sit down and have a conversation about faith and God and and life and family and everything, especially family in a small town West Texas. So some of you, the great thing about this podcast, they're amazing, interesting people who might actually be your neighbors. So uh, that's what I love the most about this podcast. And this week, I'm really excited to invite uh, my friend, Dr. Clinton Lowen, onto the podcast. Many of you know Dr. Clinton Lowen. He was an interim pastor at uh, Shallow Water. We were just talking about this before we started, six years ago, right? Six years ago is the last time he was here. He hasn't returned to uh, he hasn't been back to our church uh, since then. And this is the first this Sunday will be the first time that he's been back. And so I'm excited to welcome him back and excited to welcome him on to the podcast, uh, Doctor Loon, We're not gonna t- I'll tell you what we won't we won't uh, unless you want to. We won't tell any stories of your college days uh, because I feel like I feel like probably most people don't need to hear about all that. Right? Uh, we we'll, we'll, we'll keep it on the level. Is that all right?
0: That's probably a good idea. First of all, Brad, thanks so much. Good to see you. Good yeah. to hear your voice. I think whenever we we reconnected after getting back from Germany, it was just a high five across the sky. Yeah, uh, just love that the Lord has got you at first shallow water. These people, I love. Uh, I can't even tell you how much. And and it's not the six years has not been back because not because I've not wanted to. Yeah, but yeah. because of intentionality, uh, the reality of the church. Uh, who they are, who they're, who they're becoming, and their identity—it's uh, kind of watching them from afar mm-hmm. and just seeing the Lord at, at work. And I'm so grateful, as I told you, um, so many times before, and even even before, just just a, yeah. a little picture of the picture was. Remember, you were one of the first that we sat down with yeah. uh, before you took the, the position at Wayland as as dean of students to say, would you even consider? Yeah, this yeah. is a possibility. Yeah, so I, I think that God's providence and sovereignty and all of how that works. Uh, I'm just grateful that you are the shepherd that the Lord has put uh, there at Shallow Water, and I couldn't be more excited.
1: No, listen, uh, you, uh, and it's good to go ahead and tell this story. I've told a lot of people in our church this story, but uh, it's good to talk about it on the podcast. But you're the, you're you are the one of the big reasons the Lord used you to to bring me here. One of the reasons I'm here is because of you. So you ask me. To come and preach, um, at the church because I was pastor in Stonebridge Fellowship, which w- was a plant of, uh, of first shallow water. You asked me to come and preach, and so I did that, and uh, and and hung out with Zach, went to lunch with Zach after it was over, and then on my way home, uh, and my wife called me and she was like, Brad, so how did it go? You know, because they weren't able to come, and I I remember I told Amy this. I said, Babe, I don't know what just happened, okay, but the Holy Spirit was really involved and moving in that, that place felt like home. I, I, I don't have any idea what's what, what God's plans are, but God's plans somehow involve uh, bringing us to this place one day. And so he, immediately after that Sunday, I knew that, right? Uh, the timing w- w- took a little bit of figuring out, because I'd only been at Stonebridge for like a year and a half. I had a daughter who was just starting her you know, her her freshman year of high school. And so uh, the timing, you know, had to be worked out. Uh, uh, but the Lord in his time did bring me here. And I'll never forget this. Jason Fisher was the head of the search committee. Okay. And, and he called me like very, uh, you know, it was, we had been in the process for a while, but we hadn't had an official interview yet. So he called me and he was just kind of updating me on the process and telling me, you know, here's kind of what's going on with the search committee process, we're going to interview you, and we've got some other candidates, blah, 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 hold nine yards. And at the end of that, he said, uh, so how do you feel about that? What do you think? And I said, well, Jason, I said, you guys, as a search committee, you're going to go, you're going to pray, you're going to seek the Lord, and you're going to seek his direction for who should be the next pastor. And, and the Lord is going to answer that, that prayer for you guys. Uh, but I'm telling you, I believe that it's me that I'm supposed to be the next pastor, and I said, and I'm not saying that, I'm saying that because uh, when I I preached in that church several years ago, and and as soon as I did, that first shallow water felt like home, I felt like God was going to bring me here, and I feel like that now is the time, and I've heard the Holy Spirit wrong before, so I'm not trying to tell you and your search committee what to do, I thought (laughs) I knew, and I didn't know before, Uh, but but if you're asking me how I feel, that's how I feel, and so there was a long silence, you know, And, and finally Jason goes,
0: that's awesome.
1: You know? And so, and so that's kind of, so you did actually, the Lord used you to play a very instrumental role in me being pastor at First Shallow Water. And I'm grateful for that. So anyway.
0: Well, so am I. I know that there's others that we could mention, uh, that even reached out before probably, uh, Jason's call mm-hmm. to say, what do you think would this, would this guy ever think or consider that as, you know, give him a call. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's prayerful, he's yeah. thoughtful, but he's moved by the spirit, and so certainly, certainly true. And, and again, I think the people uh, there are fantastic. Community's fantastic. Mm-hmm. God's doing great things, and I know that you're probably pumped and excited. Uh, you and your family being yeah. there to be. Uh,
1: I am, and we, you know we're grateful for the the we're grateful for the work that you and others, because we walked into a situation here at First Shallow Water where there, it's so healthy they 're so unified there 's such a a sweet spirit in this church and uh, and I know that that 's because there were some godly people who were leading this church and uh, and and helping this church work through some things and get to a place where where we were healthy and we were ready for the next thing that the lord was going to do and, and and you were certainly a huge Part of that. So, uh, so anyway, that's uh, uh, it's good for for me to be able to say that to you and uh, and and to other people to hear that. You know that that because we all know that here at First Shallow Water, what a big influence you've been on this church, and uh, what an impact you've had on the life of the church. And so, it's good to just acknowledge that. A lot of people listen who are like, "Oh yeah, man, so grateful for Dr. Lowen and his family." So we appreciate you very much. Well,
0: I appreciate that. I probably should be on the record that uh, wasn't anything fabulous that I did. I, I stepped into a situation where you got great leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a leadership team, you had folks that, uh, already desired and wanted to be a strong community. You had ministers, uh, on the leadership team, uh, that worked every week, uh, coming down and, and, and just prayerfully considering what is the next stage in place for, uh, for shallow water. So yeah, I don't tell you, you can't say enough about the body of Christ, uh, mm-hmm. there in that place. And I'm, so grateful to get to be there this Sunday.
1: Yeah, we can't wait. So uh, what we do uh, on the podcast is, is this is just a, a, a an opportunity. I, I'm going to ask you just, you know, how did you come to faith in Christ and give you a little bit uh, of an opportunity to share that? But before before we get to there, there, there there's probably some people who are listening to this podcast who they don't know you, right? So uh, tell tell us a little bit about yourself. What, uh, what are the things that uh, folks listening to the podcast need to know about Dr. Clinton Lowen?
0: So, uh, Clinton Lowland uh, grew up in West Texas, Amarillo, uh, met my bride at Wayland Baptist university, uh, before I graduated to go to seminary. She said yes to, uh, ministry and mission with me. Uh, and I knew the heart of God was, was within her. Our first date was, uh, praying together um, and, and talking together about, uh, not wanting to date, not wanting to do any formal type of relationship, but God knew what he was doing. And so Amber, my wife, uh we married over 25 years now, which wow. is very exciting for me to say. Uh, we have five children, uh, three biological, uh, Cade, uh, Kyler, and Parker. Cade is uh, off and about, and Tyler now. Kyler is at Grace College in Indiana.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Parker is our 16-year-old who's still with us here in San Antonio. Uh, and then Michaela and Layla. Michaela and Layla are adopted too. I would call them our, our own kids because we've had them since they were two days old. And so uh, great family. And we're located now in San Antonio, Texas. And my current position is uh, here at Wayland Baptist university, San Antonio is the executive director and campus Dean. We've only been here since April. So we're still kind of fresh and new back from tech or back from Germany to, to now Texas. So a little bit about us.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I, uh, so you have though, and, and you're not unfamiliar, but you have experienced San Antonio in the summer because that's a, that's a different experience, man. It's so hot there. It is so hot. Oh, I it love it. It's a
0: different type of hot. It's sticky hot. You go out you're needing to take a shower, but I think we've acclimated quite well. The humidity is still here. Yeah. The heat is still here, but it does actually rain a little bit. Yeah. So which is, we're the, grateful.
1: That's the trade-off. That's the trade-off growing up in Amarillo and in West Texas though. That's a different, that's a totally different. I love San Antonio though, because it's a, it's truly a global city. Like, if If someone blindfolded you and dropped you on the streets of San Antonio, you could you would probably say, "Oh, yeah, I'm in San Antonio." You know, it just has a different feel to it, and there's only a few cities in the world that are like that that are really distinct like that. And San Antonio is definitely one of those places. Just totally different, cool cultural experience. So I love it. It's a great. Yeah, city.
0: You got diversity everywhere. You've got opportunity to what they say, and what I felt is this is a large city, but it feels like a small city. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. feels like you're connected and community. Uh, so wherever you go, there, there is a, a common feel of family, and there's a, a welcome, as you've yeah. noted, a welcomeness of folks to come and uh, be hospitable. So we've loved it, we've enjoyed it. We're still getting to know it, uh, some of the cultural dynamics and some of the beauty
1: uh-huh. um,
0: and and the diversity of even landscape that that you see in Texas from you know the hill country to the lakes and the, the rivers and just the people. People are, are wonderful and beautiful. So we've enjoyed it.
1: That's good. That's good. Well, tell us a little bit about your about your faith story. Uh, talk, about, uh, talk about when in your life you surrendered your heart and your life to Christ. Who maybe were some people that were pivotal in, in that and uh, involved in all of that? And, and what did that look like for you?
0: So I appreciate the question. I, I really uh, value it for a lot of reasons because the journey for me, I didn't grow up in a, in a family of faith. My parents didn't attend church. Um, they were lower middle class people and were doing everything they could do to make ends meet. And part of that was working on weekends. And so dad drove a bus for Texas, New Mexico, and Oklahoma, or Greyhound, um, and did what he did. And so he didn't really lead us towards going to church, being people of faith, if you will. He had that background, but he didn't illustrate it quite, quite often. And it wasn't until my seventh grade year that my mom started asking me to go to church. And mm. I think she felt the obligation. She started seeing us grow into teenage years and started wondering what, what are these kids going to turn out as? Right. Um, so she asked me, she said, Hey, as 13 year old hey, will you go to church with us this Sunday? I said, absolutely not. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. I'm not getting up early. I have no desire. I don't even know what church is outside of VBS. Yeah. gone there a couple of times, but, Um, I just, I was reluctant Uh, until one morning I just popped up and I can say it was the Holy Spirit at that point. Now, you know, kind of working on me, Um, but got up, mom asked the same question. And normally I would say, no, I said, yes. Mm. And went to a small little church called River Road Baptist Church, a little small uh, Southern Baptist church. And I remember hearing the pastor preach really clear gospel message. I didn't know what it all meant. I knew who Jesus was, but didn't understand what he had done for, for me to redeem me, to restore me to him. But after the service, uh, Brother Carl was his name came up to me and said, Hey, you know, you can be saved anywhere. I didn't know what saved me. <laughs> uh, so I asked him, I said, what do you, what do you mean? He says, well, you can be on a hay, hay bell anywhere. And, and, and the Lord could use his spirit to convict you and show you who you are as a sinner, a lot of theological jargon at that point. But I remember it thinking, huh, maybe I should consider that. But uh, I'm just going to maybe come back. We'll see. But about the same time, the youth pastor came and said, would you ever consider being a part of the youth ministry? And certainly uh, didn't know anything about youth ministry at that point in time. But he says, we meet on Wednesdays and we'd like to have you come. So I experienced that. And before I knew it, a lot of the people that I went to school with were starting to come. It was old style youth ministry where you play volleyball, you know, and hang out and eat pizza. But there was something about the people and the interaction and particularly the leader. The leader uh, paid a lot of attention to me and and invested a lot of of love into me. Mm. And through that expression, I started asking questions about faith. And I remember he asked us, he said, hey, we're going to go on a, a, a ski trip and then the ski trip in order for you to come you have to memorize the scripture. And I thought, Oh my goodness, this is getting crazy now, <laughs> but I memorized the scripture. And as I memorized the scripture, everybody had to go along and do it. We paid our, you know, our, our way and ski. But I remember at that um, ski trip during one of the devotional times, he he gave an illustration of what Christ had done. And he said, if you want to commit to what Jesus did to die on the cross for your sins, if you want to, get into relationship with Jesus, then he gave us a piece of wood. He said, I want you to put this piece of wood in the fire, kind of as an illustration to say that I'm giving my life mm. to him. And I remember holding that piece of wood and looking at it and just starting to cry uh, because he had denoted that, you know, if if the Lord comes back and I hadn't committed to him my life and asked for forgiveness of sin and, and you know, aspired to love him, that I could be left. Um, and I remember crying. And so I called him over and I said, hey, could you just once again tell me what is that What is that prayer? What am I supposed to do mm. to give my life to Jesus? Because that's that's what I feel like I need to do. And I, at that time, it was out of fear. It was out of a lack of knowledge. It was like a understanding biblically, theologically. But enough to know Jesus died. He was buried and he raised on the third day. I knew that mm. and I believed that I was a sinner and I believed and understood that I needed Him to save me from my sin. Otherwise, I'm going to be separated. And so before I knew it, I'm praying at that moment to accept Christ as Lord Hmm. and Savior um, of my life. And it, it, it radically changed. In that moment, he looked at me and he says, I want you to start reading one chapter of the New Testament, starting in Matthew and going all the way through the New Testament, one chapter at a time, and start to highlight where Jesus was speaking. And as you grow, you're going to grow towards that faith. Wow. And I did that. I did that very faithfully. Didn't know all of what I was reading, but he was very faithful every time I saw him to ask me what I was reading, how it was helping me to grow, um, how it was changing me mm. and, and radically what God was doing. And so from 13 to about 16, I'm testing this. What does it mean right. to be a faith follower? You know, what is it? Am I supposed to look just like Jesus? Am I going to be religious? Um, and so I started carrying a This is really strange, but I started carrying a briefcase to school with me with my Bible in it because it told me that I needed to be a witness. Right. Therefore, I thought to be a witness, this is how you do it. Yeah. Uh, I would go on those old style visitations and uh, nobody was stopping me. They were there. Hey, we're going on visitation. We're going to tell people about Jesus. And I would take the answer track, if you remember those. Oh, yeah. I was trained in the answer track. And man, I would go to my friends and I would tell them. And so I had no. Fear as a 7th and 8th grader yeah. to do that. I'd go up to the high school hall at River Road, or River Road High School and tell people, hey, do you know Jesus? Had no fear whatsoever at the time. <laughs> I wish I could go backwards, right. honestly, yeah. of that time. You know what I mean? Like yes. When we were so bold in our faith
1: mm-hmm.
0: and enjoyed the, the presence of learning and, and illumination of God's Word, the real nature of it, sometimes that dwindles over time, and I it often does. think, man, if I had the boldness and the courage that I had then now as a believer, as somebody who who's where I'm at now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I, but but there's a reluctance sometimes as as time goes on. yeah, I started to see in shape that at about age sixteen that God was doing more, and I went to the same youth pastor and said, "Look, um, I think I'm supposed to do more. I know I'm a follower of Christ. I'm learning what that means." I don't have the language, I said, but I feel like God's calling me to more, more than just salvation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he looked at me, he says, you mean call to ministry? I said, I think that's what I've heard it described as. Yeah, I called to ministry. And he says, well, look, don't worry about it. And he sent me out of his office and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was so frustrated. Why are you? This is what the Lord's prompted me to do, he sent me out of his office. Yeah. And and I came back 2 weeks later cuz I it was stirring in my heart so strongly that I came back and I said, "Look, I don't know why you sent me out of your office at this point in time, but you did. I need to understand number 1 why because I really feel this conviction that I'm supposed to follow God as I see in the in the New Testament uh to to pastor, to lead, to shepherd, to mm-hmm. to be involved in God's ministry through the local body called the church. And he says, look, I sent you away because I don't want you to be on an emotional bandwagon. Right. I didn't want you to think about maybe friends who maybe talked you into this or even a parent that talked you into this. I want you to know that ministry is hard and it's difficult. And, uh, but if this is what the Lord's calling you to, you'll never, um, find hope or resilience in anything else. Right. Right other than this call that God's put upon your life. He said, if you're willing to commit to that, we can pray, and you can commit that to him. It's it's nothing magical, but it's it's yeah. a submission to God's spirit to be his minister and missionary uh, for now and the future. I said, that's what I want to do. So we prayed in his office, and he said, by the way, we want to make this uh, known to now the public. <laughs> <laughs> he just said, I just need to tell the Lord. He said, well, you, you got to tell the Lord, but you also need to show significantly what God has committed you too, and and that's the local church. So come forward on a Sunday, man. And so certainly at that little small church, uh, I came forward. That same guy that led me to Christ, that um, helped me in my call to ministry, was the same pastor that led me and my wife to to through our marriage vows. Wow, uh, was the same. Uh, pastor and leader that uh, did my ordination. I love him greatly. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a man uh, of of faith, and I, I love him tremendously. Still a mentor uh, to me. And and the the key to this whole thing, and I don't know if you know this, is kind of maybe a new revelation. Do you know who it is?
1: No, I have no idea. Mitch Wilson. Wow. I did. I, maybe I had heard that. Maybe maybe I'd heard that before. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, so there's an, so that's another that, first shallow water connection too that's awesome yeah
0: yeah I think it's a it's a powerful picture of what God has really done uh, through our my life specifically but to look back and to think about how then can I be mentor right. to other folks uh, like me so my the ministry call led me directly to Wayland and led me quickly to youth ministry in West Texas at first happy and first Oldton. Um, and, and just kind of showing me that I, too, could help young people uh, with their call to faith mm. and their testimony of a call to ministry, which, as you you know a little bit more of my story, but led me really back to Wayland to mm-hmm. be a professor, um, specifically in the School of Ministry and Mission, uh, School of Religion, to be able to help people with their calling and the relationship of that call to see the potential in people and to help them with that potential to be who God wants, uh, wants them to be.
1: Yeah. Which is, you know, there's a, a few things that really strike me about your story. And, uh, the, the first one is that you visited a church for the first time. Okay. You went to a church for the first time. And after the service, the pastor and the youth minister both approached you, right. And, and spoke to you about salvation. So, um, so clearly, the Holy Spirit was working right because these guys are, are both of them identify that you're a person who needs to know Jesus you know they haven't seen you before they don 't really know you but but they're the, but they went out of their way to speak to you right and to talk to you about it and uh i you know i just I think that's a beautiful thing that happens sometimes at churches that uh you know that we wish would happen more, you know, but, uh, but it happens sometimes at churches where the Holy Spirit just leads some people to just call something out of you that you don't even really see as there yourself, you know? And, uh, and for both of those guys to immediately speak to you, you know, uh, about, about the love of, of Christ immediately following the service. And then that, you know, that eventually is what leads you to a place where you're ready to give your heart and your life to Christ. You know, that's what keeps you coming back. Them, them, pursuing you right them going to you is really what uh, is really what kept you coming back and what led to you eventually committing your heart and life to christ i think that's beautiful man i think that's awesome. yeah i'm,
0: I'm grateful i'm grateful that those guys at the time they were faithful to their call of, of reaching between that gap yeah of assumption assumption being that hey you're coming to our church you must already be a follower of christ sure they didn't allow that assumption to be true and they didn't they didn't do the alternative either. They didn't browbeat me no. with uh, the Bible. They they built a relationship. They did it over time. Um, you know, it was big to have fellowship meals with this particular church. And I remember going to those uh, spreads of of, of wonderful uh, goodies that people would bring. <laughs> yeah, and rolls. even over that, it, it was just a natural conversation for Brother Carl and Mitch and others to to say to me things spiritual mm. things yeah. and not to to be fearful of what it may make me feel like and it wasn't an awkwardness for me then it wasn't awkward to have that conversation it was mm. oh they're asking about me they want to know about me i'm not you know intimidated or pushed back because of that or fearful i didn't have language to describe it right but at least i i saw that they were taking steps to be interested in who i was and therefore i think you're right the lord was using that to regenerate my heart, to, yeah. to help me understand His calling in and through uh, witnesses such as them, and and the church as a whole, to point me towards faith um, and mission in this case, mm-hmm. for now and in the future.
1: Yeah, if, if if we if we could get our heads around um what the Holy Spirit can accomplish with us if we if we're willing to just uh you know follow his prompting and and actually just actually speak to somebody you know actually just have a conversation with somebody like that you know i just uh, you know i feel like we talk ourselves out of a lot of those conversations in our lives you know we um we we think we can think of a million reasons not to you know not to approach somebody and not to reach out to somebody and not to try to cross like you said cross that ground you know that exists sometimes between us and other people and 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 your life, there were two people right there initially, right from the first moment, who didn't do that, and uh, they 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 listened to the spirit, they they spoke to you immediately, and then built a relationship with you over time. That that you know that led to all kinds of good things in your life. So and and I just for the record, uh, it's so awesome to hear you tell the story in that way because my experience with you is that that's exactly who you are, right? You're you're the kind of person who you, uh, you meet people, you take an interest in them. Uh, you're not afraid to, you're not afraid, uh, to, to speak to them in love and, and, and share the gospel with them, but you do it when you've been invited into their life in a way where that makes sense. Do you understand what I mean? And, uh, I, I
0: do. I, I think that's important to, to hone in on. I mean, especially with, with all of us as Christ followers is that there, there is a you know, an art to, of course, sharing the gospel. And there's, there's a process, there's a science to it um, as well. You know, there's pieces and parts of what we do in that witness. But one of the things that is very important to me is because I learned it from the early church that I was talking about, as well as examples that I had moving through my, my growth, is people typically demonstrated the gospel way before we had the conversation, yeah, and the demonstration was an extension of a handshake, which meant I belonged. Mm-hmm. I belonged to something more and, and bigger. And they didn't see me as the sinner. They nice. didn't see me as you know a troubled kid. I was pretty much a good kid. I wasn't a godly kid because I didn't know God, uh-huh. but I was I was good. I was doing the right things. I was you know on a football team and everything. And again, they could have assumed, hey, he's got good grades. He's on the football team. He's on student council. He's on the <laughs> honor society. He, they could have just assumed that because I was a good kid, that I was godly. Mm. That would have been a horrible uh, opportunity. But through the extension of a hand of, hey, let's go eat right. together at Taco Villa, <laughs> big, big time Taco Villa in Amarillo. If you've never had Taco Villa, yeah. that was that was the place. Or it was a uh, hey, let's let's go and in between the volleyball uh, expression of youth ministry going home, it was where that ministry point started to take place of, let me tell you a little bit more about the story of Christ and let me show it by how, how I love. And then it, and then it transposed because I started to see now I was being a witness to my own family and I needed to demonstrate that to them. I needed to show them. And so it was, it was as simple as sitting on my sister's bed and talking to her about what I'm learning yeah you know every every time that I was learning it and saying, you know God wants to have a relationship with you and to be able to lead her to Christ because yeah. she's a family member uh-huh. the relationship was there now the bridge is she's my sister in faith, not just you know a family member a sister yeah. and then it transposed to friends and 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 again natural expression. we played sports together now I'm carrying my Bible on football you know trips and and to be able then to say to them how how do you know jesus and, and do you know jesus and um do i have that opportunity to speak into your life that it was hard at first right and sometimes i failed miserably because <laughs> i didn't have the jargon data, i didn't have all the information i just had read matthew mark and luke right at the point in time and, and trying to figure out what all this means but i did know the death of burial, the resurrection yeah. And I knew what it meant to repent of sin. And I knew that I was saved by grace through faith. Uh-huh. And and how do you get to that point? Well, you repent. And, and I knew that. Yeah. And that was enough. And it was enough first to love people, demonstrate it. And then when given the chance to express it through through words.
1: Mm. You there's so much good about what you said. One thing that that uh, that you said, though, is that, you know, you were a good kid but not a godly kid, right? Because you hadn't surrendered your heart and your life to Christ. So you, so you were, you were doing all the right things. And from the outside, a person might would have uh, assumed that, you know, you had, you had things together pretty well, you know? Um, And and I just want to, I want to point that out because I think that's an easy trap for all of us to fall into. You know, we can, we can, we can assume, first of all, we can assume that, you know, we're doing some of the right things, right? Uh, I'm going to church. I'm, You know, doing, you know, vacation Bible school, teaching Sunday school, whatever it is that, whatever the good things we are, whatever the good things are that we're doing, we can assume that that means then that we are a Christian, right, that we've surrendered our heart and our life to Christ. But your testimony, my testimony, is that uh, those things may be good things, but they're not in any way uh, salvific in and of themselves, right? That it's the that uh, it, it's the moment where you uh, surrendered your heart and your life to Christ, where you repented of your sin and you and you surrendered your heart and your life to Christ. That's the moment where where God placed His name on you, where He adopted you into His family, where He put His Spirit into you, right? That's the that's the moment where um, where where you you became a Christian. It was that moment where you surrendered to Him, and uh, that's a good thing for folks to. To know who are listening to the podcast, you know, uh, uh, well, one of the reasons we do this because it gives us a chance to talk about what it means to be a Christian, and um, and it's easy to get confused about what 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 being a Christian is. We can make it about all kinds of things, and but really, it's about the love of Christ. It's about the sacrifice that Christ has made for us. So that's good. And our only job yeah. is to surrender to that, right? It's just to receive it, you know, and surrender ourselves to Him, and that's a good. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's that's a good explanation. I think for us to the, the key word you used just now is surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Yeah, that yeah. was the verse, by the way, James four seventeen. Yeah, that I had to memorize. This, <laughs> this idea of surrender, and yeah. submission, and 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 little little did I know that that passage was the gospel early on for me. Is right. I I was self sufficient self-contained, I could, I could control and do what I wanted to do,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it meant turning control over. And I, I didn't know that I didn't understand yeah. that piece of Lord. Right. Now, Savior, I was learning because he redeemed me, but yeah. the Lord piece is what from then 16 to, you know, 18 exploring, Hey, wait, I can be a cultural Christian. Yeah. I can blend in now, even though I'm called to ministry, I can still kind of blend in. Mm-hmm. But the difference that I was learning is God is calling us to obey Him. What does that mean? Of course, I was baptized and mm-hmm. you know, and I saw and I, and I still embraced that moment that I was of this symbolic change that was occurring of being regenerated, that mm-hmm. it, it's not an instant manifestation that right. sanctifying grace is happening, even still today, yeah, of, of what God is doing. But but I did know. That at the time, it wasn't a vogue to talk about what Nicodemus talked about, which is, what does it mean to be born again? Right. (laughs) And so at 13, I was born again. Right. I was truly, as I think John Piper and others have said, I became fully alive. Yes. Before I was dead. I I wasn't just messed up. I wasn't in the hospital sick. I was dead because of sin. And and I didn't understand that. I thought I was still alive. I'm still functioning. I'm still in control. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where the enemy sometimes tries to pattern this. You are self-sufficient. You are capable. Mm-hmm. You are able. Just do the good things that you're supposed to do. And so back to this idea of being good, you know, Christian Smith talked about it with moralistic, therapeutic theism,
2: mm-hmm.
0: moralistic, just be good. And, and that's good enough for the world and even Christianity. Um, therapeutic, that God is for you. He's a cosmic butler to do things for you. So just call out to him. At any moment, he's like a genie and he'll show up. And and then the the theological idea of deism is that God is somewhere, but he's not close to me. Mm -hmm. And though he wants to maybe have a relationship, it's distant. And all three of those are the wrong theological picture of who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, we don't mean to do this, but sometimes even in our churches, we, we can teach moralistic therapeutic deism that that God is here to serve us. Um, that's kind of a cat type of theology. If you know, a dog theology is we're loyal to to God, but yeah. in, in a cat theology, uh, you know, He does everything <laughs> that we need need Him to do for us. That's um, right. The 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 picture, you know, even sometimes as we teach Sunday school, if if we still use that term, um, a lot of times we'll just do moral. Uh, theory, moral theism. Hey, just do this. Be good. Be nice. Mm-hmm. But but what I see is we're broken. We're jacked up. We're, yeah. we're not gonna be able to through our own will accomplish good things. Mm-hmm. We're and so I'm optimistically broken, and I had to learn that that I'm still gonna mess up. I'm still gonna screw up. I'm gonna try to obey through God's Spirit and enabling, but also I have to be truly optimistic. In, in the brokenness of who I am, yeah, I embrace the sinner, but I don't stay at that. I stay towards the fact that He's called me to saint to, to be um, uh, renewed, mm-hmm. uh, regenerated, so as to be uh, His hands and feet. So, I think the struggle that I had early on in my faith, even in college, was figuring out, man, I, I'm screwing up more than I want to. You referred <laughs> to it earlier the, yeah. the the years of of figuring out, you know, what is the the level of test? I don't think I was a a bad person or a bad kid at that point in time, but I was still trying to figure out the Lord side of my faith. And though I'm forgiven, how do I live in that forgiveness Mm -hmm. by his grace, but also seeking to uh, have a synergy with him as he redeems and restores who it is that I am. Yeah. So it's hard.
1: Yeah. So talk about some, Talk about now, if you would some moments where you really felt um, God growing you were stretching in your faith maybe some of those moments where you were learning about the lordship of of Christ where you know what, what were some things that you that you went through walked through where where you really felt God's presence moving you and growing you forward
0: well I, I think first I would mention that the idea of of becoming a leader um, not just in the church but in any channel mm-hmm. of society we play on this area of, of what are what are what is a good leader and what does a good leader look like? And early on, I had strong leaders who showed um, servant leadership, mm-hmm. and in that, they truly did show a strong uh, characteristic of humility uh, with will. With the picture of Jesus, really, yeah. they were showing me this is how you lead. Um, so my identity was, was being forged and fashioned in this way to understand this is the way of leadership. However, when it, it contrasts to the world standard of, of leadership, it's, which is a different one, it's more power mm-hmm. um, and, and position and title. And so for me, over the course of even as we speak today, it's, it's always a struggle to crucify the flesh of the mm-hmm. desire to achieve. Yeah. The desire to climb the ladder to ascend to a place,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, and sometimes to do that, the world standard would be just you know, work up the ladder as it, it gives you the opportunity through opportunity and success. And so, for me, I've had to learn even of recent Lord, what are you doing to show who I need to be, mm-hmm. who I should be, um, for you without the title, strip the title. You keep giving introduced to me as Dr. Long. Well, before I was doctor. Lowen, I wasn't that. I wasn't. I didn't have that title. That title didn't give me identity. Right. Nor did it when I got a master's. Nor did it when I got a bachelor's. It. My identity is in Christ first yeah. and foremost. And to be reminded to come back to that place is where I have to often drag my flesh and say, "Remember, you have nothing yeah. without this." And then, and then it be then it becomes defined in roles that I play as mm-hmm. as a husband as, as a father, as a leader, uh, in an academy, you know, like Wayland here and, and in the church as a pastor or a servant, however it is, whatever I, I can do to be faithful, um, to those various lim- limits comes back to once again, humility. I'll share a quick story. When I was in seminary, God humbled me in a great way intentionally. He needed to show me this because I had such pride mm-hmm. because I had a degree yeah. I had a bachelor in religion and psychology. I'm ready to go make a million bucks and I'm ready to go do great things for the Lord. Yeah, And I remember when I got to Southwestern, I'm, I'm on the campus and I'm thinking, nobody cares that I have a bachelor. Right. I can't really get a job to support my new family, my wife. She's supporting me in seminary and yeah. a humble pie keeps coming <laughs> whenever I finally get a job. And the job is at the landscaping department at seminary. Wow. They give me a, a green tag that says Clinton Lowen, Clinton W. Lowen, <laughs> and it, it says landscaping. I carry that um, that name tag around. Wow. Everywhere I go, wherever I'm at in terms of, of you know where I set up my office at home, I put it in a place that I can always see it because it reminds me at that time God was teaching me to be humble and to use every opportunity, whatever it is that he gives me as a way to serve him. And so, you know, throwing sod down and, and digging holes for the seminary. It wasn't ministry that I thought. and It wasn't a living that I thought, but it was where the Lord was putting me. And every once in a while, he'll do that to me. He'll, right. he'll bring me back down to a reality to remind me, uh, you're nothing with those titles. You're mm-hmm. nothing with the positions. You're nothing with the power unless you are tied to me as the vine. No uh, then you can be my branch. Then you can be used for my purpose. So I need to be reminded of that uh, often. And mm-hmm. most the time, the Holy Spirit, I think, speaks to, through my wife. <laughs> um, uh, because she'll often remind me uh, yeah, yeah. Of, of the times that I fell as a husband. Yeah. And my kids will remind me as I fell as a, as a dad. Uh-huh. Even this morning, I, I mean, I we had a funeral that we needed to attend. And we're trying to get out of the house where I am. And kids are trying to get to school. And we have this interaction. And it's, you know, I find myself struggling the most when kingdom reign and rule is not happening in my household. <laughs> right? That's when I struggle the most. Yeah. Lord, we want to be orderly. We wanna, <laughs> we wanna show our example and our witness, but it's not happening. And so what I do instead of being humble, uh-huh. I you know, I get into the flesh side and I start to try to order it myself. Instead uh-huh. of getting on my knees to pray, I, I start to try to control. And so you know every day for me, it's a struggle. I don't have this down. I need help. I need assistance. I need mm-hmm. sharpening. And so the Lord provides people like you, um, mm. into my life, um, to, to, humble me and to remind me that the titles don't mean anything. And then I, then I meet people like, you know, Les Griffin and others that come alongside of me and, and remind me of the love of Christ yeah. and that God is going to give me opportunity, but I have to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, to those opportunities.
1: Yeah, you, uh, I was, one time I, I preached through the entire book of Romans. And uh, as I was doing, which it was an amazing exercise for me. You know, I've, I've read it and studied it, but but preaching through it was really powerful for me. And one thing that kept coming up, and I kept telling, I ended up, you know, continuing to tell our congregation more and more as I was talking about it is that, uh, and as I was learning about it, is that faith really consists of two things it's humility and surrender that's what faith is so it's humility because you 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 have to be able to admit that you can't accomplish these things on your own that 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 you that we are broken and left to our own devices we will destroy ourselves and we'll destroy other people you know and so there's a level of humility that requires you know that's required so that you can come to the lord and say look i need you i need rescue from you you know And so, so faith is humility, but it's also surrender. So, you you can't have faith if you're trying to hold on to any of the control. If you're trying to hold on to any 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 part of your life, faith requires that we take all of our lives, all of ourselves, all our gifts, talents, dreams for the future, whatever else. And we take all of that, and we place it in the hands of a loving Father. That's the only way. That's the only way to faith. And so my, ad, even my ideas about what's right or what's wrong, my ideas about how I should live my life, my ideas about who I am or who I'm supposed to be, right? All of that has to be surrendered to Christ Jesus. And, uh, and that's ultimately what faith is. And so if you, you can't have faith if you're proud, you know, uh, because, because that's a fundamental building block of faith, you know, and, and you can't have faith, um, you can't have faith if you're if you want to be in control, you know. If you're self absorbed, you you can't do it. And uh, I've learned that lesson the hard way uh, so many times in my life. And uh, both of those things, I mean, it's a constant battle as a Christian to do those. You, you don't you don't do it one time and then it's you you flip a switch in your life and it's figured out for the rest of your life. You're it's a daily battle. It's a daily battle to struggle towards humility and surrender. That uh, that God uses in our lives to produce faith, you know. And- yeah, don't
0: you don't you think that that's the beauty of spiritual formation, right? Mm-hmm. That, that and, and again, the big theological word sanctification that that we're not done yet. Yes, and we we do need the shaping and the forming um, to be reminded as as our forefathers in Old Testament, even New Testament, that that sometimes even our boldness. Mm-hmm. Can can show a lack of faith, absolutely, and and lead us to even a place of, of fear, um, and intimidation, mm-hmm. and and not boldness and, and the timidity that that can lead us astray from who God's Spirit is trying to make us. And so this is an identity issue, and it's mm-hmm. an identity crisis that I think that sometimes I face, and I, I'm sure others share is is where where truly is my identity, and what what is God doing to shape that identity. And, you know, as the vulnerability comes to this, for me, there was no reason, um, three and a half, four years ago to take a step of faith towards a a place that I didn't know Germany, um, to leave a Dean position and and a great faculty, uh, great students and Mm -hmm. a great institution. There was no reason other than God calling me out to say, submit to me. Mm -hmm. I've got something I want you to get messy in ministry. I want you to go to um, the soldier, the civilian, and their families and, and serve them and serve them well as you would the body of Christ. You're going to be a missionary strategically in the army. I would, Brad, I would have never <laughs> imagined. In fact, I resisted that. My dad wanted me to be a an Air Force chaplain or Army right. chaplain, military chaplain. He was Navy, which I never really understood why Army and Air Force, yeah. but not Navy, but <laughs> nevertheless. He always said, "You need to go," and I said, "Dad, that's just not my my gig. I'm I'm not called to do that. I'm called to the local church, right? But I remember in this pattern of what God was doing in my life during that time, it, it had again to do with identity. Did I want to be the dean of the school religion to be able to continue to do what I was doing there in West Texas? Yes, sure, because there's some some attachment to title and and mm-hmm. influence, and if you will, sometimes even power. To yeah to instill a curriculum or students and such, but, but God once again was saying, well, wait a minute, you're on my mission and my mission currently for you is to take a step outside of what you know, sell your home, sell everything that you have and to go to Germany and, and serve in this military capacity. And by the way, you're not going to be military. You're going to be a civilian with all green suitors surrounding you. And so the step of faith was once again, am I going to be fearful? Mm-hmm. of God's mission? Uh, am I going to be faithful? I've been telling my students, hey, go wherever the Lord calls you. Right <laughs> Now the test comes to this guy who's been telling them that. The Lord wants to use you in a strategic way. You should go wherever God's calling you. Right Now, I'm having to eat my own words yeah, yeah. and pray through it. And I remember a three-hour conversation, a wonderful conversation with Dr. Hall, who, as we embrace this idea of, why would you not sign your contract? Mm. Well, it was because what the Lord has put on my heart. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know, I know you as as a person of Christ. I know you as a leader who's been a pastor. And I know that you're a prayerful person. And that if this is what the Lord is doing, you you must do it. He said, we'll miss you. And we would want you to come back at any time, but we will miss you. Mm. But we know that you would be faithful uh, to God's call. And so that type of support in that moment was very, very helpful for me to say, all right, Lord, what are you calling us to? And I would love to say Germany in itself was awesome. The culture was awesome. The expression, the army was was really a unique culture. We were truly missionaries learning a different language of military speak and the people and serving the people in a different way. But, you know, it wasn't the local church. Right. It's different. It, it is expressing through different language of who I am as a Christ follower, how I'm equipping and empowering chaplains, working alongside of chaplains to support the resiliency uh, of God's mission through them. Mm-hmm. So I, I say all that to say God was teaching me even in that four-year period. Look, your tool bag has been to preach to be, be able to teach.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I want you to be an influential leader by servant leadership demonstration. Yes. You're yeah. not going to have the platform to be in the pulpit every Sunday. Yeah. You're not going to be able to teach from like you've done, you know, in the uh, university. What I'm gonna do is I want you to equip volunteers and I want you to equip chaplains to do the ministry of the and the work of the saints. And mm-hmm. I went, Wow, Lord, this is humbling because I wanna be up front or I right. wanna be in charge or I wanna be doing these things. And whenever I whenever I was able to come to grips with that, that's when God started giving me opportunities to speak into the life of the chief of chaplain or to go into a four-star general's area and do leadership training. Mm-hmm. That's when, whenever I stripped aside my desires, yes. God said, all right, now you're ready. Yeah. Now you're ready to go into the game. Before you're not. Right. Before you were going to depend on your strength.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But my grace is made perfect through weakness. For whenever I'm weak, that is whenever I'm strong. Mm-hmm. I wish I could say I learned that early on, but my flesh continues to invite me to be maybe more than what he's calling me to. Mm-hmm. And one other thing that I would say about that faith versus fear deal is whenever I was at Wayland as as the dean uh, of the school I was often called to do these interims that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And I truly can say that at those times I think those are some of the best opportunities for ministry that I've ever seen to myself because it wasn't I didn't need the position for, you know, financial right uh because i had a job yeah uh so i wasn't dependent on that i and i i didn't i didn't have the luxury of of time and you know taking mounds of time i had to do a lot of stuff real quickly to prepare for the next leader uh-huh. and sometimes i had the challenge of of leading by fear or by faith and i can tell you it freed me up in those interims to be able to lead fully with faith and when i tasted that i went wow why didn't i do this before <laughs> And it's because it, it goes back to the pride thing because I wasn't dependent on God to be my provision. Yeah. My guide, the one that was going to provide and for me and my family,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I was, I was playing it safe to some degree, maybe right. in other ministries, yeah, keeping a job to some degree,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but God was making me bold to say, no, I've put you in this game because I want you to lead by faith,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not by fear. And you can probably ask a few people there, uh, at shallow water that they probably saw those moments that, wow, this was a bold thing to do. This was a bold set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. You could go to Demet and ask the same thing or um, to Littlefield or to Plainview. Mm -hmm. These opportunities that I've had a chance to just lead in this capacity has been for me to strip my identity and say, this is not about you. Mm -hmm. This is about the kingdom. And this is about the glory of my church, my body Mm -hmm. be faithful to that. Yeah. And I've had to do some hard things that I that I would never have thought uh, that I would survive. And and to this day, a little bit of uh, traumatic stress, but knowing that God has worked those things out, that I can still say the things that even I said at the beginning, um, that I love the people that I've worked with mm-hmm. for uh, and next to. But I think as time goes on, as God sees more potential in all of us, mm-hmm. he'll put us in the games that he wants to put us in at the right timing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the the the, that desire to be faithful um, to what God has for us, what God wants for us, and from us in that moment. That's the, you know, and and to surrender to whatever that is. That's the trick. That's the the challenge I think for all of us in whatever season of life that we're in. You know, if you're if you're listening to the podcast right now and you're wondering, wow, you know, uh, I wonder what God has for me in this season. Like, I wonder, I wonder uh, what what I'm supposed to be doing. I wonder. I wonder how much of where I am right now is me trying to take control and how much of it is what, what is, what God is trying to do in, in my life. Uh, the challenge that I think, uh, challenge that we would have for you is just, uh, is just to ask, you know, it's amazing how if we just go to the Lord and we say, Lord, show us, reveal, reveal to me what it is that you want from me right now. Who do you want for me to be? Uh, it's amazing how God faithfully puts people in our lives, speaks to us, reveals through his word, the things that we're supposed to be and who we're who we who we are and uh, and surrendered to Christ uh, ultimately. The bottom line of it is that surrender to Christ is supposed to be the foundation of of who we are for sure. So no matter where we are, no matter where we're serving, no matter what title, position, whatever else you can be, you can be uh, you can be useful to the kingdom of God in powerful ways. Whether you're surrendered to Christ as a landscaping you know uh, person at the seminary or whether you are the executive director for the San Antonio campus. In both of those ways, you can be equally used powerfully by God if you're surrendered to him. And, uh, and so there's the, that's the question that kind of sits at before each of us that we all have to consider. So, wow. Man, thanks. Yeah,
0: I think it's, I think it's daily. I, I appreciate the opportunity and look forward to further conversation. And you know, you, you mentioned that there are people listening and certainly, as they, as they look, I, I hope they've heard both of us say that we we haven't accomplished this. No they're, really they're, I'm not a professional uh, Christian by any means. <laughs> and, and, and daily this struggle of surrender um, is, is through temptations and invitations. so I'm certain that just like uh, being you uh, on a daily basis have to crucify the flesh, we also have to remember God's kingdom is about reign and rule of of Christ over our hearts. Mm -hmm. We are not the king. He is the king. He is the Lord. And so the simplicity of Christianity seems simple and easy enough, but it's us reminding each other, Mm -hmm. like those bold witnesses at the beginning of my story, being willing to go to a brother with love and to say, let's pray together, let's talk. That's why community is so essential, small Mm -hmm. groups, connection groups uh life groups whatever you you know whatever you guys uh, are embracing with that um because that is that is truly that life on life and it's hard for us to get um real with the father if we can't get real with each other absolutely and so i you know i i struggle that you know we can't get enough of that but we have to make time mm-hmm. uh, for that so hopefully somebody listening you may be out of community it might be an opportunity for you to rejoin community and I can tell you a great one is for shallow water so if you're looking for a place uh to be loved to be cared for and that this these people are not perfect um we're not perfect but we do serve a perfect god
2: mm-hmm.
0: who has a perfect story who's invited us into it and I think it's uh you got a great shepherd who understands these dynamics is not there for power but's there to serve as a servant leader so Brad I'm grateful for you and once again I think God is doing great things in and through you and your family so keep up the good work and, uh, look forward to seeing you high-fiving you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And I appreciate you, appreciate you spending some time with us on the podcast and really appreciate you being here on Sunday and, um, I'm grateful, grateful for your friendship and, uh, grateful for the, the way that God has used the legacy of, of, of faith and surrender and humility in your life to impact mine. So, uh, it's been, uh, it's, it's a wonderful, amazing, beautiful story how God has done that. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm glad that we have opportunities like this where I get to remind you of it. So, and share, share it with you. So that's a good thing. Uh, so uh, really thanks for, thanks for joining us. If uh, those of you who are listening on the podcast, make sure that you are at church on Sunday, you're going to want to hear, uh, you're going to want to hear Clinton Lowen uh, testify to the goodness of God at church on Sunday. And, uh, like he said, if you're looking for a church home, um, we would, uh, we would love for, for you to uh, visit us and see what God is doing at First Shallow Water. We believe he's doing really good things. And, um, and this is church uh, uh, a body that is full of people who uh, who love Jesus and who love others and and uh, and we'd like for you to join us so um, thanks again Clinton it really was an honor to be with you and uh, and for those of you who are listening we'll uh, we'll see you around town real soon Thanks for tuning in to First Things First. We want to invite you to join us for worship this Sunday at First Shallow Water. You can find us at 703 Avenue J in Shallow Water, Texas. Our Sunday morning service starts at 1030 a.m. Click on the link in the description of this episode for more information about our church or if you'd just like to reach out to us. Check out the previous episodes of this podcast. Make sure you do that. We really have had the privilege of hearing some amazing stories. And make sure you check back each week for a new episode. Until then, we'll see you around town.